It's time to become bullyproof so we can live our best kicking life. As we know, life ain't all sunshine and rainbows, and bullying is a real problem that negatively affects millions of kids, parents, teens, adults every single day. But there's a solution, and the good news is you found it. The Grogan's Bullyproof and Kicking Life Podcast. So get ready to be empowered with hope and self-confidence to believe in yourself to become bullyproof and live your best kick in life. Juan Master Grogan here. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Well, we're back again for another exciting kick in life podcast. Well, I guess you should say Grogan's Bullyproof and Kick in Life. Back in the day for the first 150 episodes, it was just kicking life. And then we decided, uh, let's spice it up a little bit and get the Grogan's Bullyproof in there and maybe attract a bigger audience because that's the central, well, I guess the, the main focus, the pinnacle is that kick in life. But we got to become bullyproof first. We got to believe in ourselves, that hope and self-confidence and over to overcome our challenges, battle through our fears to live our best kick in life. So this is the Spotlight Show, and we got a very special guest once again. And I had the honor of being on this gentleman's uh, live stream, of, I guess, was uh, in December, right? One of the last episodes of the year yes, in sir. 2021. Yes, so I was right. extremely right. grateful for that. So who do we have here? Well, well, you can see him on the screen if you're watching the live stream. If you're hearing the podcast, you won't be able to see him, but I'm going to describe him. And then, of course, the whole idea here is so... Uh, if you're only able to hear the podcast, we'll jump on our YouTube channel, Grogan's Bullyproof, and then check out the live stream. That way you can put a face with the voice. Well, who do we have here? He's the owner of Moon Park Karate in Kav Maga in Moon Park, California. He started his martial arts training in 1985 and opened his first school in 1996. He's a seventh degree black belt in the American Tung Sudo and holds uh, black belts in Kav Maga and I've Kinjo, oh goodness gracious. Katsugo. Kinsugo, okay, I should know that. And Jiu-Jitsu and Combative Hapkido. He's served as a martial arts business consultant since 2010, and he's an active member of community and serves on the board of directors for several local organizations and community events. As an active community member, he attributes the success of his business to his understanding the importance, and this is what's huge, the importance of giving back to those in the community because you know and you hear me talk about all the time folks you've got to support the community that you're a part of simply because they are giving their services to you you need to in turn give it back and you know zig ziglar's famous quote is you can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want and that obviously starts with your local community who am i talking about here well first of all i uh, almost gave it away here he's born and raised in kanjo valley uh and then moved to Moon Park in 1993 and currently resides with his wife, Jackie, and two amazing children, Madison and Mason. I'm talking about Master Jason Flame. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited to chat with you again today and uh, just looking forward to the show. Awesome sauce. Well, good stuff. And thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to be on your show. I know that continues to grow as well. Uh, so it's Master uh, Motivation. Make sure you check him out. He does uh, his uh, motivation monday live streams and he has different uh, guests on from the martial arts community and other communities and we just kind of have the conversation like we're having right now but he does an excellent job of uh, a little i don't say a different twist but he sometimes has different guests than i have and that's the way you expand your your knowledge your wisdom uh, your vocabulary if you will by uh, uh, surrounding yourself with with people that you know fairly like-minded but also have the courage to get out there 
and maybe interview people that uh, don't don't agree on all levels. So that's mm-hmm. how you learn, and uh, that's what I appreciate most about Master Plane there. So I went through your accolades there. It, by all means, if I miss something, please fill in the blanks and please give a shout out to your wonderful family or friends because everyone loves hearing their name on the air. Well, for sure. You know, you you mentioned the most important people in my life, which, uh, of course, is my wife, Jackie. Uh, we just celebrated uh, on the 23rd of this month, January. Uh, it was the 23rd of January was our 29th anniversary of the very first date we went out on. So that was we've been together since uh, high school. So it's uh, it's always important to mention her because everything that I've accomplished in my life has been with her support and her love. And then I have two children, uh, Madison and Mason. Madison is 19 years old, uh, getting ready to uh, transfer to, she has a choice uh, between two schools right now, so I won't give it away yet, but uh, she's going to be transferring to a four-year school. And my son is a junior in high school, Mason. Uh, super proud of my my whole family. And I live in Moore Park. I, I don't know if maybe the, the, the R look like an N, but it's Moore Park, California. I moved here uh, back in 1993 and was born and raised in, in Conejo Valley. I uh, lived there most of my life. Awesome sauce. Yeah, it looks like maybe I better get uh, some different readers on here because, yes, it did look like an end to me. Now I <laughs> zoom in. It is. A, well, That's it, what happens. It, it, well, I just bought these, uh, goodness gracious, I guess they're called blue blocker thingamajangers. And it's supposed to help your eyes a little bit. I don't know if they do or not. But um, it, it, it's like a yellow tint now, which... Well, anyway, no excuse. It is clearly an R, and I clearly said the wrong thing. So that's all right. Oh well, thanks for helping me out there and correcting me. Yes, so sir. those that are in Moon Park, if that even exists, Jason would love to be in your town, but he's not. He's in Moore Park, <laughs> and he's giving back to that community. So, yes, um, so tell us about. Uh, um, it, 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 we've got so many things to talk about here, but giving back to the community is, a, is always a huge thing to me. We were blessed. Uh, the community I was in for my goodness. Uh, 25, 26 years. Uh, we, we won a few years ago business of the year for everything we were doing to do in the community as far as giving back and giving presentations and speeches and in parades and constantly going into the schools and uh, doing bully awareness and uh, um, self-protection workshops and just give, 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 which, you know, I didn't always think that way because I just didn't always know that was the thing to do. Now, it seems like common sense, but sometimes the most common things aren't the most common if someone doesn't bring it up to you. And that was kind of my thing. I always wanted to do the right thing. But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I get advice. Oh, you got to charge for everything you do here. OK, well, I charge. Well, then I'm not invited back. And so I go, well, gosh, darn, I thought I did a great job. And then I realized the Zig Ziglar philosophy, like you give, give, give. And then it comes back in mysterious ways. And that's what really, really helped build our, um, you know, get us business of the year, but also uh, help our community grow and our martial arts academy grow as well. So. Tell us about some of the things that you're doing in your community that would help others that uh, not only in the martial arts industry, but uh, any entrepreneur or anybody in the business field or world uh, or just anybody that uh, mom and dad that wants to help out to help their community. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I can't start this story uh, or, or, or this message without giving the story of why giving back was so important to me. Um, I, I've told this story on, on many different interviews and I, I talk to, the, to when I go and speak to the high schools about why in, the importance of giving back. And when, when I was a, um, a young child, my, my parents, you know, struggled. My, my father was in construction and, you know, when things were good, things were great. When things were not good, it was real slim. And there was a point in time where we had to accept assistance. Um, and there was, there was a lady 
who I remember very distinctly. And the story goes like this, you know, my mom says, let's go to the, let's go get some groceries. Let's go get some food. And I said, okay, sure. Let's go. And so we get in the car and we drive and, and we pull up to this house. And I said, I thought we were going to get groceries. I thought we were going to the store. She said, well, just, we're, we're going to go see um, someone real quick. Walk up to the door, knock, knock, knock. Um, this this lady opens the door and says, come on in. And we follow her to her garage, where in her garage she had cans of food, you know, the block cheese, the powdered milk, you know, all the uh, donations that were provided to her to help families like ours that were in need. And, and I kind of... Back then, I didn't look at it the way that I think about it now, and I get goosebumps when I talk about it. But I walked in that room and just went, "Wow, you know." And we we took what we needed, and she helped us out and went home. and And we had other people in our life that helped us, you know, quite a bit. And I remember very distinctly as I got into business that I said, if I was ever in a position to where I could help give back to people or I could help return that favor, uh, I absolutely would. And I'll never forget her name. Her name is Bernadette. I don't remember her last name, but I could vaguely remember what she what she looked like. But the whole message and the whole feeling of her being there to give us you know, food when we couldn't go to the store and buy it, right? So it started in our karate school around Thanksgiving. We have our food bank, our food pantry here, and they were looking for donors and supporters. And so we we created a kickathon event and we raised money and we took that money and we purchased food and we put those that food into baskets. And then we, the first couple of years, we actually hand delivered them to the homes of the people that were in need, uh, which was really rewarding because my children were young and I was able to kind of teach them that lesson, uh, even though at the time we were, we were doing okay. But it was a great opportunity to finally give back to what I had received so many years prior. And that continues to this day. We continue to work with the food pantry. And uh, my wife and I just joined a new organization called Team Wish, which essentially does just that, provides food for families in need, but also at Christmas time provides uh, presents and gifts for families that don't have the means to do so. And there's going to be so much more to come uh, this year as we continue to plan. So that that's just kind of a start of, of what we what we do here in, in Moorpark. Um, you know, we do the school talks. I love doing school talks. I've always done those for free. I love visiting schools, highlighting my students, spreading the word of martial arts, self-defense, bully proofing, you know, all, all the great stuff that martial arts has to offer. Um, I'm a member of the board of directors of our Chamber of Commerce, and that has allowed me to not only network with business owners, but help learn more about the business community and how I could help and how we can help each other. Because at the end of the day, you know, we want to try to get everybody to try to help each other, right? The more people we help, the more people will reach out. So that, again, that's just a little bit of what, what we do here in Moorpark. And I'd, I'd love to take any other questions to go further with that. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And folks, if you're just jumping on, just joining us here, uh, we got Master Jason Flame and he's, well, he just talked about all the amazing things he's doing, ideas, tips, suggestions for building a good relationship with your community. And of course, the I like to talk about, uh, it's similar. You got the, the hand that's open, got individuals doing their own thing. However, we close that, baby. We make a fist. Now, collectively, we're all working together for a common goal. And this is a heck of a lot stronger, a heck of a lot more powerful, and can achieve a heck of a lot more than individuals just kind of running about their own way, doing their own thing. And I like to tie that into, you know, if, if you know, Jason's throwing a pebble in the pond and I'm throwing a pebble in the pond and several others are throwing pebbles. Yeah, that's great. We're making ripples across that pond. 
But gosh darn, if we collectively worked together and picked up a massive boulder and threw that sucker in the pond, now we're flooding the banks. And that's going to have a much, much greater impact than just individuals doing it. So that's the power of teamwork, power of working together, and of course, the power of working with your community, which of course, regardless if you like your community or not, your community in some way, shape, or form has probably given you a lot. And by giving back, you're going to get a lot more in return. And of course, if your community, you don't like it, then do, you know, Jason's on a, the board of directors for the Chamber of Commerce. Get on the board somewhere and make a change. Uh, one of the things I posted today was uh, um, life isn't, uh, oh, goodness gracious, I'm going to goof it up on a page. Anyways, like life is not a remote. You got to get up and change it. Or if you want it to change, you got to get up and change it yourself. Uh, so it's the same thing. Yeah, if you want things to change, you want things to happen, you can't just sit around and, uh, and, and hope and even pray. Yeah, you can pray for things. But sooner or later, God, you know, David prayed for the strength to fight Goliath, but he had to eventually pick up the stone and go to work, right? <laughs> well, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, when it came to the Chamber of Commerce, you know, I opened my business when I was 19 years old, right? I'm a young kid, didn't know anything about business. All I knew is I could teach martial arts and I love teaching martial arts, right? And so it was suggested to me to go and join the Chamber of Commerce. And I was like, uh okay, I'll go check it out. Right. And I went to a couple meetings and I, you know, I did my best at the time to meet people. And, and I just kind of looked around and it, it was just not a good fit for me at the time, 19 years old, looking around the room at people that had been in business for, longer you know, been alive. <laughs> longer than I've been alive right there. You know, I, I hate to admit, but I looked around and I'm like a bunch of old people, right? What do I, what am I doing here? Right. And, and so I kind of bailed out on that and, I think that I really missed out big time by doing that, but that was immaturity and inexperience. Many years later, um, I I found myself constantly, uh, I won't say complaining, but I, I always had a better way to do it. I would do this. I would do that. I would do this. I would do that. And I'm looking at it. And finally, I just said, you know what? Instead of sitting back here on the sidelines, why don't I jump in the game? and see what I can do. And so I jump in. And when I jump into something, I jump in as my wife knows it's, it's either I'm in or I'm out. There's no halfway. I don't just dip my toe in. Like I got to go all the way in. And so I, I, right away within months, I'm on the board of directors, uh, within the first year, uh, became, you know, chamber member of the year, uh, man of the year, you know, all these accolades and awards. Uh, I became the chairman of the, of the board for two years. I'm just coming off, uh, the board. And, what I wish I could have told my 19-year-old self is, you're doing it wrong. You came in with the attitude of me, 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 and not what can I, instead of what's in it for me, what can I do for you, right? And that, that just changed everything. That changed everything. So sitting on the sidelines was, uh, you know, I mean, everybody kind of does that. You know, we talk about armchair quarterbacks, right? And I, they got the plays, but they're not, they're not in there in that moment. But then when you jump in there, you got the chance to change it. And so anybody that doesn't like the position they're in, you're 100% right. You know, if you don't like where you're at, you don't like what's going on, get in there and make a change. See what you can do. Oh, that is fantastic. Armchair quarterback, I love that too. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I uh, Folks can see my arm here on the podcast. You're not going to be able to see it live stream, but serious, serious goosebumps here because, yeah, everybody's got a solution. Everybody's got the, the, the perfect fix. Everybody can be the Monday morning quarterback and tell what went wrong and could have went right. If I would have done it, I would have done it this way. Well, gosh darn it, freaking step up and do it. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, another reason I like you so much, sir, is uh, uh, right or wrong, we don't 
dip the toe in. We just dive in. And more times than not, we found out, gosh darn, the water's two inches deep and I got another concussion. Oh, well, I'll get my bearings back and we'll fight another round. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. But no, you're, you're exactly right. And, and congratulations on all the accolades and all the awards. And I, I'm working on a, a, another book project and uh, it, it, I've got asked to be an author in a, um, this book with 40 different authors. And I can't give you more details on it just yet. It should be out by the end of March, early April. Uh, but I, I wrote, and here was one of the things I talked about. In uh, two thousand between 2001 and 2008, I achieved a lot, but I also lost a lot more. And, uh, and, and I talk about some of the successes and then some of the setbacks and then some of the, the failures. And of course, I, I consider, yes, you failed at this uh, event maybe, but it doesn't mean you're a failed person. A failed event does not mean a failed life. You simply pick it up and learn from it and move on. And, you know, that's where the wisdom comes from because he who's had few failures is he who's lived. So you need to get out there and fail, 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 and fail forward, as John Maxwell says. But I, the last part of all this, and uh, I got actually a question mark by it because I probably want to rewrite it, but it says this. The price of feeding my fragile ego, 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 that's it. The price of feeding my fragile ego nearly cost me everything and is another great example of fighting, dealing with that bully within, you know, that self-bully that's in our own mind. And what to me is the biggest bully of all of us is that ego. And I like to think ego is an acronym for edging God out or edging greatness out. It's like, oh, you know what? I got this. But most of the time we're doing it so I can get the spotlight, so I can be the one to shine, so I can say I won. And I know growing up dirt poor on a farm, growing up with all these weeds and limiting beliefs in my mind that, Richie, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough. Richie, you're always going to uh, be, quote, quote, a dumb farm boy. You know, and I'm 51 years old. For some reason, those weeds will pop up from time to time, and I'll hear that. And for the long, longest part in life, I used that as my Bobby Boucher tackling fuel to anybody that told me I couldn't do something. I'd be like a big F you to the world. I'll show you I can do it. But it was all about feeding or trying to strengthen that fragile ego. And uh, then I heard of a guy named Zig Ziglar. And he's all talking about helping others. Uh, the only way you can uh, really do that or get everything you want in life is by helping enough other people get what they want. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> he's gotten to something here. And obviously we know that Zig was. So good stuff, man. Um, wow. All that from working with the chamber. <laughs> is that amazing? <laughs> it is. It is. You know, it's just like you said, uh, when it comes down to uh, – when you're thinking me, 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 you're just, you're just in this tunnel, right? And it's really hard to get outside that tunnel. But when you do step outside and you start helping other people rise up and you help other people have that opportunity, to me, you know, my, my students and my instructors and my family success is, is such a bigger success for me than anything that I can do on my own. I mean, I really take a lot of pride in, in watching my instructors teach, watching my kids succeed in what they do, watching my wife shine when she puts on a, a, an amazing event or does you know an amazing job at fundraising for some of our local organizations. It's just, you know, I kind of like the backseat a little bit more now than I ever did because, gosh, was I, was I a spotlight hound when I was in my teens and in my 20s? And, and that ego, whew, and it, it really did stem from being a kind of a shy kid, maybe, uh, I don't want to say that we were poor, poor, but I mean, there were definitely times that we did without, you know, some of those insecurities that came out, didn't have a lot of friends. I was picked on, I was bullied in school. And so, you know, 
my ego wanted me to succeed in everything and do all of these things because like you said it's a big f you to everybody else i can do it right and now it's all about me but many years later took a long time but but seeing others succeed is is one of the happiest moments for me oh that's fantastic and once again, folks, if, if you're not following Master Jason Flame, make sure you do so. He's got, uh, if you're watching the live stream here, ma uh, hashtag Master Motivation. Check him out. He's got a YouTube channel. He does uh, his Monday Motivation live streams every Monday. He's got a different guest on with a different background. And uh, it's, it's all about you know, motivating and empowering others. And I like to say, too, with hope and self-confidence, to believe in themselves, to be who God intended for you to be. But you, you, can't, you can't just sit there. You got to take the advice, take the suggestions, and it maybe it won't. What what we're saying here today, uh, maybe. Uh, well, I would I would think that not every point is going to resonate with you. If it does, my gosh, praising to, to us, holy cow, that would be a first. But take what you can. Each little nugget uh, is from either my experience, Master Flame's experience, or the people we've surrounded ourselves with, and it's our goal to pass that on to you. You pass that on to somebody else, and. You hear me say this all the time at the, every, at the end of every one of my video blogs, podcasts, whatever. If you found value in this message, please share it with someone else. And that's how we continue to not only build the tribe, but that's how we continue to get the word out to others. And my ultimate goal is to make society not just help, but actually let's make society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live. And that's going to be a better society for our kids. And that's a better society for us all to live in. And I like to say happy, healthy people, mentally strong, physically strong, happy and healthy. It's going to make society safer because those type of, when people are unhappy, that's when they bully. That's when they go shoot up schools. That's when they're carjacking and robbing. Happy, healthy people don't do that stuff. Hmm. So let's do what we can to, to, to empower others. And uh, Best Flame has definitely done an amazing job of, of listing all the different things that he's done with his community that, you know, you can do too. As awesome as he is. And I'm, I'm going to hit him with the right hook of reality. He knows this. He's okay with this. But he's no different than anybody else. He's just special in his own way, just like you're special in your own way. But you got to be willing to get out there and do something, not just sitting there complaining about how bad everything is. Take a stand, gosh darn it. Be you. <laughs> Love it. Wowzers. So uh, we're both Tung Sudo guys, and, and that, that's not the most popular martial art in the world. Uh, so a lot of times when we talk about Tung Sudo, it comes with an explanation of exactly what it is. And, uh, of course, it's way of the Chinese hand. But part of the American Tung Sudo, it, it's – and I don't think – uh, for whatever reason, I know we've spoke a couple times. I started off with the American Mudaquan Tung Sudo uh, back in, goodness, 79, 80. And uh, my first instructor was with him for, for quite a while. And then I stopped to pursue my NHL career. I was going to be a pro hockey player. That didn't work out, but uh, that's okay. Uh, I, I started back with my instructor I've been with now for 30-something years. And he, lo and behold, happened to be the instructor of my first instructor, which I didn't know at the time. Now, how crazy is that? But the Tung Sudo world's kind of small. But anyway, we converted from that to the United States Tung Sudo, which converted to the United States Supakto Mudaquan, and, and so forth down the road. And I, I actually parted ways with the Federation in 2014. It was one of the toughest things I had to do, but it was definitely the right decision at the right time to move on. Um, Kwan Jin Wong, he passed away in 2000, uh, 2002. And from then on, I, I wasn't sure that the core values were in, in alignment, but it took me until 2014 to actually move on. But with all that being said, uh, you've pretty much done the same thing by going out in, in, in several different styles and continuing to build. 
And I know we've spoke before. I don't know exactly about this point, but I can, in our communications, I've, I've always appreciated the, the Bruce Lee philosophy of you take it all in, every single bit of everything. You disregard which just isn't you, doesn't align with your core values. But then most importantly, and I think this is often forgotten, you add your special, unique, God-given talents. And that's how you make it uniquely your own, which makes it something special. Now, a lot of old school traditionals will say, well, you can't taint the art. The art's pure. You can't mess with it. Well, my thoughts on that is, look, 2,000 years ago when someone created the arts, they, they did, right? Well, our experience is we're going to create what we feel is best for what is going to help our society and align with our core values. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same with what everything you've done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I have had the opportunity to train in, in different styles. You know, uh, you know, when people ask me about Tong Sudo, I, I, I usually use two words, Chuck Norris, right? <laughs> as, soon, as soon as you say Chuck Norris, people go, oh, okay, all right, got oh, it. Yeah. You know, my, my instructor, Dennis Ichikawa, um, taught and trained with Chuck Norris, uh, you know, back in the, the 70s. Um, I believe he's number 67 with, uh, with Chuck Norris with the, it was, the National Tongsudo Congress, I believe, at that time. And, and, and there was all kinds of splinters. You know, all martial arts have these organizations and there's splinters of the organization. But I, I didn't start Tongsudo until 1985. Um, Dennis Ichikawa was my first instructor and, and, and has always been my instructor. And uh, But he introduced me to people that allowed me to learn other things. And from there, I would meet more people. And and so the, the second instructor that, that I've really been close with most recently is Mark Cox, who I got involved with Krav Maga. Now he started training Krav Maga maybe 20 years ago. And the, the, the whole thing was, you know, Tong Sudo, um, much like Taekwondo and a lot of the Korean arts are not as focused on the reality based self-defense. And, and so we would do self-defense, but maybe it was just not the most realistic, right? And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in tradition. You know, I still love forms. A lot of people ask me why I still teach traditional forms. I just, I really like them. I think they have a lot of value. I know a lot of my students like them, but I also wanted to find a way to kind of plug that gap of where maybe Tong Sudo was falling a little short uh, with with a stronger base of self-defense. And then, of course, we went on to offer a, a full-time Krav Maga program. And in between those two is when I got involved in Combat Hapkido. That, again, was I wanted to – I was looking for the self-defense aspect. Ketsugo Jiu-Jitsu. Um, it's a Japanese-style Jiu-Jitsu, so it was more of an Aikido-Judo blend. Um, we did a lot of joint locks and takedowns and throws. And my instructor, uh, Kyoshi, Chris De Palma, who also happens to be my partner in another business that maybe we'll talk about later. Uh, but, you know, we went to high school together and we trained together. Funny story, we, we were sitting in Spanish class and we knew each other. And and he he did Katsugo Jiu-Jitsu. I did American Tong Sudo. And we would always kind of have, which one's better, right? Yeah. And we said, well, uh, you know, we're not going to fight to see which one's better. How about you train a guy and I'll train a guy and we'll make our guys fight. And so we, we kind of did this, this whole thing and they actually never even fought. Um, my student would have won for sure. Who actually was this? He, well, my student ended up becoming Chris's student and went on to earn his black belt with Chris, which is totally interesting. But anyway, you know, so we've known each other, you know, 
so high school, 92, 91. Uh, we've been friends ever since. And the Katsugo Jiu-Jitsu really blended in everything all together. And of course, having friends in the martial arts and, and having uh, consulted martial arts schools all across the country, um, you know, I've gotten exposed to a lot. And, and right back to what you said about Bruce Lee's philosophy is taking everything in and discarding what is not of use. And, and uh, I think that that's what we've done effectively with our curriculum. Um, I'm very happy with what we teach. I'm very proud of what we teach. Um, I'm always looking to learn more. Um, I know because what I was doing in 1996 when I opened my school and what I'm doing now are totally different. And there's been several incarnations. If there's one thing that my students or instructors or anybody that's been with me long enough knows is that I'm not really tied to anything forever. You know, if this technique is no longer as effective as I once thought it was, we're going to get rid of that. Um, I was one of the first Tongsudo schools in our organization, at least, that adopted a rotating curriculum. Nobody thought that you could do rotating curriculum in, in Tongsudo. And we've effectively been able to blend that into our program because I feel it works well with our students. It works well with our instructors. And it's a great system for teaching everything that we want them to learn before they earn their black belt. So, uh, yeah, totally in agreement with the uh, the Bruce Lee statement and, and how I've gone through my martial arts. And now as I'm uh, approaching time to test for my second degree in Krav Maga, um, I'm still learning. I'm still training. I'm still teaching. I still enjoy it. Um, I feel the aches and pains a little bit more than I used to. Uh, the recovery is not as quick, uh, but my love and passion. As a matter of fact, I was teaching yesterday and, you know, you know, when you get so excited that you, your voice starts going out or you're, you, you, you sit down when you get home and you're like, man, I don't remember that it taking that much energy to teach as it did yesterday. But, you know, I taught the whole day of classes and man, I just have, I still have a blast doing that. Oh, that's fantastic. On so many levels, and and, and I think what I, I definitely uh, like the most because I, I agree with all of it, but to the most is, and it's not a shot. Sometimes uh, you know, we gotta, I feel I, I don't toe the line there um, uh, of saying the, the effectiveness because of course, in those that are in the martial arts community, it's always about well, it's almost like my dad can kick your dad's butt, right? My martial <laughs> art is so much better than your martial art. Da, 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 da. Well, let's learn from each other and grow together, right? But um, the, I, I know, I don't know what it was like. We had some 36 different wrist grabs that we uh, had to do for each. I mean, I think total it was like four per rank or something. Uh, it, it's, it, I don't remember because I've kind of moved on from that, it, which is fine. And I get the concept is teaching you different applications and different techniques off of just a wrist grab. And then if you're open enough, you can apply that to anything else. The problem is, uh, it, it, it took, you know, you're, you're teaching a white belt and a yellow belt, an orange belt, all these different wrist grabs, but we're not really teaching them to effectively uh, protect themselves against the tackle or a headlock or a punch or anything that I've ever seen on a playground or adults, anything I've ever seen in a bar setting or out in public or in the, the, the parking lot between cars. So my whole goal with what we did was try and evolve to make it more, instead of kind of a static thing, more of a, a dynamic type of self-defense, meaning anything I'd ever seen on the playground, in the locker room, uh, in the parking lot, or at a bar, let's work with that. Now, it took a lot to formulate all that because, I don't know, everybody's got their zone of genius. 
Mine just happens to be self-defense and just coming up with scenarios. So every week I was changing it up, which was uh, my goal was, look, man, I'm giving you as much as I can here. Take and run with it. But that's not the way most people learn. And it was really, really rough on a lot of instructors. Like, well, last week we did it this way. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I saw while watching some classes? Too many kids were struggling with, let's change it to this. Let's change it to this. And that's good that we're kind of always trying to evolve to make it more accessible because it doesn't matter what I know. If my students go out and get their butt kicked or hurt, then obviously I didn't do a very good job of teaching and training them. But at the same time, I've got to be a little more consistent as far as changing things up as continuously as I did. And, and that, that led to, you know, another problem. So anyway, long story short, yeah, absolutely. And so I say, well, are we changing that again? I said, well, we're going to run with it for a, a few weeks, maybe a month or two with our rotating curriculum. If it doesn't work, then we're going to apply something else. And that went on for, I don't know how many years. And it was frustrating to the instructors, the students, and even myself. But now I feel we've got a good, solid foundation. But a lot of that, and I'm telling you, because we talked about ego earlier, when I left the Federation, it was another F you to the world. I'll show you how much better my students are. And I was all about me showing you what I could do as opposed to me really, even though my heart was trying to show the students, eh, the ego was in the way of it. So I kind of caught that, uh, caught that. And now I'm extremely happy with what we teach. It's basic, it's fundamentals, but gosh darn it, it's effective in every possible scenario. And I give the kids, even on the first day, something that will protect them because who knows, maybe they only come to one class, but I want them to have at least the tools to protect themselves when they when they're encountered with uh, some type of attack and you know that we call that uh, in our abc's become bullyproof awareness is a number one being aware of what's going on being aware of where your hands are you know being aware of where you're walking where you're at and that's you know self-protection number one is self-awareness good stuff um so second degree in jujitsu coming up here Tell, tell me a little bit more about that well, second degree in Krav Maga. Um, okay. I, I, I never, um, I never ranked in, in jujitsu after that, that first level. Um, I just kind of started getting into the other things. Uh, Krav Maga is the, is the one that's probably the most, you know, most consistent, um, you know, being a seventh degree black belt in, in American Tong Sudo and, uh, and eligible to earn my eighth degree. You know, I struggle with that a little bit because, um, as I mentioned, you know, Mr. Cox is uh, one of my instructors and, and he's an eighth degree. And then our instructor, Dennis Ichikawa, is a ninth degree. And I just kind of feel like um, there's that hierarchy in, in martial arts that should be upheld. And, you know, so as long as, as, as Mr. Ichikawa is at the top, you know, Mr. Cox will be number two. And I just... I, I struggle, even though he's given me his blessing and his permission to to uh, to go to eighth degree. I just kind of hesitate. But the second degree in, in Krav Maga, you know, it, it's like anything else. Right. The more you learn, the more you learn, you don't what you don't know. Okay. And uh, Krav Maga has opened my eyes to so much. Um, but in a lot of ways, it it opened um, something inside of me that was always there because as I train with Mr. Cox and, and, and how we learn self-defense, cause he's, if you don't know Mr. Cox, super aggressive dude, uh, very like out there. And, and so the way he taught self-defense was pretty much the same as the crop mindset that we teach now is just, you know, a little different technique. And so I always felt at home with that. I always felt comfortable with that. And uh, our Krav Maga organization is, is growing. We have several schools in the Southern California area. And, uh, 
We also have a school in Idaho and Hawaii and just all a bunch of schools, like-minded people. Um, I really love the vibe and love the, uh, the training that, that we go through because uh, there's a lot of pressure testing and there's a lot of, um, you know, checking to make sure that what we're teaching is really working in a, in a real world scenario. Um, I have never served, but there are several people that have served in the military or law enforcement that, uh, you know, this is a this is a make or break, save your life situation right so if we're teaching stuff that isn't working uh we're basically teaching people to get killed so you know you want to make sure that we're teaching the 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 best stuff possible and the only way to do that is continue to pressure test it and uh i kind of like that pressure i kind of like that the, that scenario training you know we have a, a full-time uh kill house in in, a, in our chatsworth school and so we'll use that for uh you know, our self-defense training and, and going through and room clearing, all kinds of different stuff. I just, it, it's something way above and beyond what I ever did. You know, most of what I did in, in Tong Sudo coming up was a lot of sport karate. I loved point fighting. Um, I loved competing in general. Um, and then I really loved XMA, extreme martial arts. And, and now we're kind of bringing it back in our school. A good friend of mine, Kevin Kowalczyk, uh, is starting his Raptor Extreme uh, martial arts program. So you're going to be seeing that popping up all over and seeing that represented on the tournament circuit. Um, so, you know, just kind of always finding different ways to stay involved. Second degree is, uh, you know, second degree is second degree. It's, you know, it's been almost two years since I earned my first degree. And, um, you know, it's it's the next step. It's important for me to, to lead by example and to to test and, and show my students, you know, where they can go. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Having a lot of fun with it. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. And and most importantly to me, it's touching my heart. Here's the humility of, of, you know, your, your, your seventh degree. I mean, that's a extremely high honorable rank, uh, but keep the, um, uh, the honor, the integrity, the humility of what, uh, tongue pseudo, what the martial arts is all about. But then, on the other side, to continue to evolve and expand, especially with Kamaga there. And uh, uh, I, I like what you said, uh, and I may have the phrasing wrong, but just kind of battle tested to make sure it's still effective, still working, and still worthy, especially if you're training somebody in the military, man. That's not just about somebody getting their butt kicked on the playground or in a, a, a parking lot. We're talking it's a life or death situation there. So excellent stuff. Well, let's move on and uh, uh, talk about the. Uh, where, where is it? Oh, your business consulting business that you, you'd mentioned earlier and everything you're doing there and uh, exactly how well, how somebody can get a hold of you and what you're doing to kind of pass on the knowledge that you've achieved, you've earned, you've learned not only uh, the combative side, as we talked about with uh, with martial arts, Kamaga and Tung Sudo, but a lot of, um, let's see how to put this, growing up with especially Tung Sudo and especially the organization we were with, you couldn't have a successful studio and quality students at the same time. That was just a, you couldn't do it. Absolutely not. If you've got more than 25, 30 students, then you're producing garbage. You've sold out. You're a McDojo and uh, you, your students are junk. You're going to get them hurt and da, 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 da. I heard that for 20 something years. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting out and meeting others uh, like Hanjik Dave Kovar. I know we're both uh, a, a mentor. He's a mentor to both of us there. And, Chip Townsend, Brandon Beliso, and uh, so many comments. I'm missing somebody. When I, I try to explain this, obviously, Master Jason Flame, you know, we're all out there. And, and, and I'm finding out, my, my gosh, you can have, but not only can you have a successful studio, you can break away from the quote, quote, hard wall tradition and expand on what you're doing to better serve your students 
And our thing is all about practical self-defense and life skills. That's what we focus on. And, um, you know, we used to go to the tournaments. We used to do all these other things. But I was trying to be everything to everyone. And, of course, when you do that, you end up being nothing to no one. And so now we kind of focus in. But most importantly, uh, our studio has grown. We've expanded our time to Black Belt now to almost seven years, where I always believed it should be at least five years. And, and unfortunately, our organization we're with, they chopped it down to two and a half years. Now, to each their own. but to me, I want the kids to earn it, gosh darn it, and put in the time. And not everybody's going to test just because, you know, you and I are, 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 are we've started together. Doesn't mean we necessarily test together. It's who's putting in the time. So mm -hmm. I kind of went off on a tangent there, as I often do. But uh, I, I'm sure you've heard that. You can't have uh, uh, quality students and a successful studio. So obviously, with what you're doing with your consulting business, I'm sure you're kind of addressing that. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's go back to how, how I got involved in that. Cause most of the consulting that I do now is, is for friends and, and just school owners that are, that are local that, that need help. Um, but you know, I opened my school at 19 years old. Um, it was, it was 1996 when I opened the doors to the first, my first school, uh, prior to that, I had, you know, taught for all of my instructors, you know, got my black belt, uh, learned how to kind of run the school uh, at, at a certain level. And my instructor opened a school by starting at a rec center. So that's, that's all I knew, right? So in, in 94, I went out and, and started a program at a rec center, built up enough students to, to be able to pay the rent. You know, when I opened my first facility, I think the rent was $1,200, I think. Um, and I probably had $1,300 in the bank, right? So I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about, you know, anything really other than I could teach a pretty good class. People, class, baby. That's all. That's people all seem to people. I mean, when, when my classes are packed, I mean, either they like me or they like what I teach or they like both. Right. So I figure, well, you know, and I, and I love the experience of, of teaching students and what it did for them. But, you know, I, I thought it was time for me to, to go out on my own. I knew that the opportunity to have a career at the school I was at was not going to happen. Um, my instructor encouraged me to open a school. So I did. And I, you know, I operated from about 96 until, I don't know, 2002, um, literally by the seat of my pants. Uh, as long as I made enough money to cover my expenses, you know, both business and personal, I was happy. It was, it was, it was fine. It was my wife and I, she had a full-time job, uh, you know, at the time. So we had dual income. Uh, we got married in 99. My daughter was born in 2002. And I started thinking to myself, well, this income is not going to cut it for what we want for our daughter, what we want for our family. It's just not going to get us to the level that, that we want to be. So I need to figure out a way to make this business make more money, or I need to get another job. And I knew I did not want to do that. I grew up doing construction with my dad and I did not want to do that. I did that for about six to nine months prior to my wife and I getting married just to save a little extra money for our honeymoon. And I was working from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'd get off, run to the studio and start teaching by three o'clock till nine o'clock. And man, I just, I wasn't going to go back to doing that. I couldn't, my body would not handle it. So I had to figure out how to run the business and I had to figure out, um, you know, how these other schools, cause I started hearing about these other schools that were doing amazing, you know, and, and, and their students were good. Their students were good and they were making a lot of money. So there's something I'm missing here. I went to my very first super show. 
um, martial arts super show in Vegas. That was when I was first exposed. You know, I, I did not go through the era of the EFC events and, and those, um, I, I didn't do any of that stuff prior. I went to the martial arts super show very first thing. Um, and then I, I attended this event called the success seminar, uh, which was led at that time by Frank Silverman, Mike Metzger, um, Robbie Beard was just coming in. I think Keith Scott was there and I'm listening to these guys and I'm like, this sounds really good. This is, this is amazing. Right. And so what year that was, so that's gotta be about, uh, I think that's gotta be about 2004. Oh is, my, is, okay. Yeah. Right. And so, so I'm sitting in here and, and little did I know what they were doing really was a mass intro. Right. I mean, they had a whole bunch of school owners in a room and they were going to pitch a program and, and it was X amount of dollars. Uh, but if you sign up today. Right. Oh, yeah. And so uh, it, but it was done perfectly because I felt so motivated, so inspired that I got to do this. And remember, I said the rent was like twelve hundred bucks a month. And, and, and we were probably at the time. <laughs> we, we just, we weren't, we weren't killing it. I can say, let's, let's just say that it was a thousand dollars a month to join the Maya elite program, which would give me uh, access to consulting and special events and quarterly seminars and so on and so forth. Right. So I, I, I asked my wife and she's like, if you think this is going to help, let's, let's do it. I'm like, okay, cool. So we jump in not having any idea of, of how this is going to work out. Cause I mean, this is a thousand dollars. Like, I'm not paying a thousand dollars for anything else, but I'm paying a thousand dollars for, for consulting. And so I'm learning, learning a lot, changing my business literally within the first three months of, uh, Mr. Metzger, Mike Metzger, who is my, my business consultant always will be, he's my mentor. Uh, he got me to triple my, my gross income within the first three months. And then we continued to grow and grow and grow. Uh, stayed with the program for three years. Um, it was a three-year program at that time. Well, it was initially a one-year. Then if you upgraded, it was a three-year program. And uh, finished that. And so, you know, Mesker sits me down and he says, what do you what do you think about coming on board and, and being a consultant for Maya? And I said, are you kidding me? I'm like a, like a, I'm like a blue belt, you know? Like, that's what I felt like, uh, you know? And, and so he says, I think you got what it takes. And, and, just to hear that, I mean, to hear your instructor or to hear your mentor, to hear your parent say, I, you got this, you can do it. That was, that was so empowering for me. I just, I, I, I didn't know what to say other than yes, absolutely. I'm in right. Like that was the team that was, that was to me, that was the A team in all of martial arts business, you know, Frank, Mike, Robbie, those guys are, I mean, amazing. And so I jumped in and, and I started consulting with Maya. Uh, that was, that was probably about 2009, I think when I did my first speaking assignment. So did that and, and, and hung out with those guys, learned, learned so much, you know, every time I went to an event, even though I was consulting, uh, I'm still learning a lot. And, it, you know, right before COVID, you know, things kind of changed and I started kind of drifting away from um, from consulting and working more on some other business uh, that I had going on. You know, we opened a uh, we partnered and, and opened a restaurant here in Moore Park. We're partnering and opening an ice cream shop kind of up here. So uh, kind of dipping my fingers in, in other things. And I felt like 
you know, my time, just like my time had run out teaching for my instructor and it was time to go out on my own. I felt like I was getting to the end and it was time to go out and do my own thing because I just, I had, I was in the chamber and doing all that stuff. And so now I just, I, I, I simply, I, I don't consult for money. Um, I, I, I may get back into that at a later date, but you know, all my friends in our Krav Maga organization, all my friends that have their Tong Sudo schools, and a lot of my clients that I've had over the past, you know, 10 years will still reach out and call me and we'll talk. And as a matter of fact, I mentioned Kevin Kowalczyk, who uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we met each other because he was a client. He was one of my first clients with Maya. And so uh, we still have that friendship to, you know, to today. So uh, it, it's been great. It's been a really good run. I've gotten to meet a lot of people at the Super Show, a lot of people, you know, meeting people like Dave Kovar and you said Chip Townsend and, uh, you know, just meeting Mike Dillard, the owner of Century Martial Arts and Ricardo Laborio, John Hackleman. Like I can go on and on and on and drop a hundred names. Uh, I just kind of sit, Master Bill Clark, Ernie Reyes, right. sitting down with these guys. I'm just like, who am I? Who, who might, who might even sit at the table with these people, but here I am and, and I'm enjoying it and I'm loving it. And, and, and now with the podcast, I've got the chance to come back and, and interview a lot of these school owners. And it's just been, it's, it's just amazing. It's been a really, really great experience. Well, that is fantastic. And, uh, well, I'm just a goosebumpy mess here. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, everything you shared there, uh, I, I think uh, we've got quite a few folks listening in and, and as always folks, if, you jump on here, you got a question for myself or, uh, in this case, Master Jason Flame or any of our guests, please just type it in the chat box. We'll get back to you there. Um, but if also, if you can kind of relate to some of these stories, and I always like to say not everybody is in martial arts, so a lot of our listeners, followers aren't, but I always feel you can take something from everything. You know, the experience that uh, Master Flame mentioned here in regards to, hey, he had kind of run this well dry, so he decided to go on and do this now. He's moving on to other things. He's opening restaurants and ice cream shops. And of course, that's the attributes of a serial entrepreneur. You know what? <laughs> I think I'm going to try this now. I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do this now. But that's based on the experience and knowledge and the wisdom you've learned from success and failure. But the most important thing, and I cannot stress this enough, uh, it, it's I talk about, and you've heard me say it earlier in this presentation, that up until 2012, I didn't know I could read because I chose not to. But then I heard of Zig Ziglar and I started going to conferences. I started reading and listening to Audible, anything I get my hands on. And the biggest thing, and just like you alluded to, sir, is when you surround yourself with successful people, you learn what it took to get there. Now, number one, they all self-educated. Number two, they had a growth mindset, which I'd never even heard of before. Mine was always, uh, you know, growing up poor, then all the rich people are bad because they have somehow stole from the poor. And if you got a successful martial arts studio, you don't have quality students. You know what? That was a limited mindset. That was weeds in my mental garden. But what I found when I started going to all these conferences and all these different events, that every single one of them self-educated, they all read, they had an encyclopedia of knowledge. But the biggest thing, they were all willing to share that knowledge. And I'm like, what the heck? And then when you said that uh, Mike Metzger asked you or said, you know what? Why don't you come aboard the team here? I got the, 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 the goosebumps that, and I can't speak for you, but I'm going to, I don't want to assume, but I'm just going to say this. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's like, me? How am I worthy to be on this board? How am I worthy to be uh, a, a part of Maya group? How am I worthy to speak on behalf of you guys? Mm -hmm. Because I'm just me. Well, 
I'm going to, I'll let you answer that in just a sec, but I'm going to say this because I, I see it more and more and more and you see it with your students, you see it with your instructors. Now you're on the other side of the fence. So when you say that to them, Hey, well, you're going to be a part of this team. And they're like, really me? And the biggest reason for that is they saw something in you that maybe you felt about yourself, but you didn't fully see in yourself. And it helped bring that out. Just like when you see something in the student that brings that out. And the second part on that is, that's what I, 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 kind of my biggest message I try and get across. If you get up and do the work, you do the little things day in and day out, you are going to stand out in a crowd because unfortunately, most people don't do it. And by doing it, you set yourself apart and you create those opportunities. I'm not a believer in luck at all. You didn't get lucky. Luck is when preparation was met with opportunity. You prepared all those years by working your butt off and then the opportunity presented itself and then, okay, you got lucky. No, 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 no. You had prepared for it and that opportunity presented itself and you didn't just sit back. You took action. So I, I, I unfolded a lot there. But yeah. uh, no, I, and you're 100% right because that's exactly what I was thinking. When, I, when, when I'm sitting there and he's asking me this question, I'm, I'm asking myself, who am I? Why, why me? I'm not, I'm not at that level. But what, what I didn't realize is he wasn't looking at where I was. He was looking at where he knew I could go. Right. And so my, I look at my team of instructors now, and I have a very young team of instructors. Uh, Mr. John Haw is our head instructor. He's 20 years old. I remember hiring him when he was 14 years old. And he was kind of a quiet, shy kid, you know, and uh, super, super outgoing. You know, he, he dressed up as Shaggy one year uh, from, from Scooby-Doo. And that was like kind of his, his look and his demeanor. He was just like kind of cool, happy dude. And uh, I mean, I love the kid. And he, during COVID, we put him on Zoom. And I, I, I said, I, I want to I push him, you know, to, to find himself a little bit more. And oh, my gosh. The, the change in his personality, the change in his demeanor, the change in his confidence. Um, I have a 20-year-old man that can run this school uh, and makes me super proud, right? And, and because I wasn't looking at where he was, I was looking at where I knew he could go. And then I have three other staff members, you know, Joshua, Emily, Garrett. We just hired uh, a new young lady, Shaylee. They're all 14, 15 years old. Young kids, man, I look back at me at 14, 15, and, and I was teaching and, and, and I'm like, who the heck put me in charge of this? My instructor saw something, you know, and I'm always looking. I, I really kind of pride myself. Each one of those four, by the way, this is their first job. First, first job they ever got paid for. How cool is that to be able to provide someone's first job? And not only provide their first job, but give them the skills and the tools that maybe later, who knows if they're going to be a career martial artist. I would love that. I would love for them to have that opportunity. But, you know, I had a young man who was 19 years old when he started with me, uh, one of my best friends, Nick Kennedy. And uh, he taught for me, ran the school program director, manager, the whole deal. Like, and, and now his son and his daughter train with us. They're five and three, I think. Um, and, and, and I'm looking at him and we talk all the time. He's a police officer now. And uh, he goes, you would not believe the amount of things that I learned working for you at the martial arts school that I use in law enforcement. 
you know, and it's everything from the systems of how we do things to just the attitude and the attention to detail. Uh, he tells me that he likes to take his rookies because one of my pet peeves is, is the bathroom. If the bathroom is not like super clean, I lose my mind. And like, it's got to be like, you can't see any dust on it. There's no color, nothing, right? And he tells me, I take my rookies out and I'll take them and I'll make them clean. I see how they clean a toilet to see if they're, you know, if they're going to be paying attention in detail. Hope I don't get them in trouble for that. Anyway, and, uh, you know, but just seeing these young kids do what they do, um, looking at them, not for who they are now, but who they could be in years to come. It's just, it, it blows me away. It just blows me away. I'm super impressed, super proud of my team. Uh, gosh darn it, uh, and it's something I've tried to because well my own kids my own instructors a lot of the students growing up they, they never understood and at times I'm pretty I guess I'm pretty rough and, and I don't mean to come across that way but all I know is life ain't all sunshine and rainbows life is tough life is going to hand it to you so I would be rough without explaining now my dad I talk about him he did he's a wounded Vietnam vet I mean he's fully functional but he was uh, uh, 68, 69, is a 101st Airborne, so actually provided mortar support to Hamburger Hill. So it was, he had a traumatic experience, obviously, and uh, death everywhere. But he, I always felt like I was uh, that Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue, could have been a boy named Richie growing up because he became an over-the-road truck driver when he got back from Nob, and he was never around. And we grew up on a farm, so I'm milking cows, shoveling horse poop, baling hay, and it was never good enough. And I'm like, dang, what, what the heck? My dad's always mean to me. Well, I didn't know at the time he was trying to toughen me up for the world. So I, mm -hmm. when I get older, I have kids. I'm, I'm going to talk to them more. Well, I found myself not doing as much as I should because, I, well, I, in my heart, I was doing the right thing. But in the heart, my dad was doing the right thing, too. So what I started doing, I don't remember what year it was, probably the year I started reading in 2012, was I started telling them, look, I'm never going to talk to you as you are. I'm never going to treat you as you are. I'm going to talk to you, treat you, and try and train you as I know you can be. I'm going to try and pull that out of you to be the very best you can be. Yeah, I would love for you to be with me forever. Chances are it's not going to happen. I would love that. But all I know is I want you to go away, regardless how long you're with me, with the tools to stand out in the crowd. People say, man, there is something different about that kid. I don't know what it is, but there's something different. He makes eye contact. She's got her shoulders back. She walks proud. She says please and thank you attention to detail, respect, all those little things that today they're lost. And, and that's a big thing. I Presentations and speeches, I said, look, you want to stand out in a crowd? It's easier than ever. Make eye contact, say please and thank you, and take pride and respect in what you do. That's it? That's it. <laughs> it should be more than that, but right. essentially that's it. Right. No, absolutely. And you touched on something uh, again, you know, Mike Metzger posted something the other day. He said, it's not my job to be easy on you. It's my job to bring out the greatness in you. And man, that just resonates with me so deep. Uh, I actually brought that up in my classes several times this week, because as you mentioned, um, I have to sometimes remember that they're three and four or <laughs> they're, they're eight. You know, my, my, my wife says, they're itty bitty. You're a little loud. And I said, I'm just so excited and so passionate. And I, and I have to like, sometimes tell them like master flames, a little gruff. I'm a little, I'm a little tough and loud. I said, but you know, it's because I want the best from you. I, and I have to tell the parents and I, and I love when I do this because I wouldn't have done this as a kid. 
when I was a teenager, I probably would just been yell, yelling loud. I was like a military drill sergeant. And oh, yeah. it was, that's just the way it was. And I wouldn't even talk to the parents. Now it's like, I kind of look at the parents because being a father and how I talk to my kids, you know, sometimes my kids look at me and they're like, dad, does everything have to be a lesson? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Everything is a lesson. Everything I say. So just be quiet and listen. But no, I tell the, I sit there and, I, and listen. Shut up and listen. <laughs> I tell the, I tell the parents, you know, I explain to them what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I see them shake their head and I see them smile. And I, and I know that that's when I know, okay, I'm, I'm in the right spot. So sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, we come across a little rough, a little tough, um, but, you know, it's all with great intentions and we always want to bring out the best in our students. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, and, and, and that connection, just kind of explaining that. And I, I just mentioned to the parents and passed it on and it started several years ago. Look, it, it, there's this old philosophy in, in Korea. So I got an opportunity to train over there four different times. If the instructor takes time to talk to you, you have earned that respect from them because time is the most sacred commodity. If they ignore you, then it's because they don't care. So by mm -hmm. me doing what I can, time's a sacred thing. I want you to be your best. So if I'm spending time talking to you, working with you, it's because I care about you. Know mm -hmm. that. I'm not just letting you run on. And, of course, kids and uh, teens, adults, parents, everyone, everybody wants to feel like they're important. And when you give them a piece of you time and talk to them, man, you're giving them a piece of your life. You're, you're, you're helping them to feel important. But at the same time, you're kind of saying, look, I'm going to push you to be your best because I know there's more in you. I know you can be your best. And then I get into the Rocky speech about the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows because, you know, sooner or later, you're going to get knocked down. I want you to have conditioned those perseverance muscles to get back up to fight another round, not condition those give up and quit muscles because, you know, it, it, we're always going to be faced with that choice. The longer you lay there, the harder it is to get up. The quicker you get up, as much as you don't want to, the more you're going to strengthen yourself for that next battle that comes along. And then people often say, well, gosh, darn, I handled that battle, but this battle is so much tougher. And my reply to that is, well, it wouldn't be a battle if it wasn't tougher. I mean, that's just the way it is because you've established the skills to overcome what used to be a battle. It's not even a battle anymore. And sort of like uh, John Maxwell always talked about, if you're a level two problem solver and you've got a level three problem, that's astronomical. But when you mature into a level five problem solver, a level three and four doesn't even fit on your radar because you've adapted and, and, and learned those skills in order to overcome those battles and those challenges. And that just means you're simply growing and moving forward. And by having the mentors you've had in your life and now the mentors you are in so many countless others' lives, man, that's the, what I talked about, the boulder, you know, the mm -hmm. power of the fist. That's mm -hmm. what's happening here, collectively working together and making society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live. Holy schmokarooskies. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, great. It's been awesome. Man, oh, man. So um, I've kind of uh, bragged on you here about where to find you, this and that. Give yourself a personal shout out in regards to, uh, you know, obviously the folks that are watching this can see the master, hashtag master motivation. But uh, on the podcast, they're, they're not going to, well, hopefully they'll listen to the podcast and then go watch the YouTube video so they can see us in person. Sure, and, sure. Uh, and still post your questions, folks, even if you're watching it after the fact. We'll, we'll definitely get back and answer those. But give yourself a huge shout out where people can find you, especially anybody in your area that would love to come and have Master Jason Flame and his amazing team empower them personally. 
Sure. Well, you know, once again, I'm, I'm in Moore Park, California, and uh, I, I can be Moore reached. Park, pretty, not Moon Park. Not Moon Park. <laughs> but there might be a Moon Park out there. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm pretty visible on Facebook, so you can simply find me, uh, Jason Flame, or if you want to go to my, my professional page, it's Master Jason Flame. And uh, I'm on Instagram, also Master Jason Flame. It's Master underscore Jason underscore Flame. Uh, I think you'll be able to find those pretty easy. And the podcast is on on our YouTube channel at uh, Master Jason Flame. So pretty pretty easy to find. Uh, would love to have more people kind of check out some of those videos. I've had amazing guests over this last year. Um, I just got started in in 2021 uh, with a guest every single Monday. Um, it's 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so 12 p.m. California time, and uh, new guests every week. And my guests include not only martial artists. Um, I've had several professional wrestlers. It's something we really didn't talk about today, but I uh, got involved in, in in pro wrestling several years ago. So I've I've met quite a few people in that um, in that genre. We have uh, a lot of independent pro wrestlers here in Southern California, and uh, also some some very powerful women uh that are in business and and speakers and authors and uh, i'm excited to announce that i just joined the connected uh the connected learners academy with jose escobar so um oh my gosh. that's going to be an awesome group uh if you're interested in that uh we can we can connect there and gosh what else is coming up i mean just it seems like every day i'm trying to kind of meet new people. I think that's my, my theme for the last two years is just really connect with as many new people as possible and see if we can connect each other uh, in the right way to to reach our goals and to be our best. Like like Mr. Grogan says, you know, we want to live a kick in life. Oh, thanks for the tag there. Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, to quote uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, what, what he said was, the only difference between the person you are today and the person you'll be in five years are the books you read and the people you meet. And is, as I mentioned in you know, 2012, when I started getting out there and moving around, and by the way, my first martial arts shoot, the super show, easy for me to say, was uh, I think 2014. So you had a few years on before that, uh, whoa, eye-opening experience there. Uh, but sure. uh, it, 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 it's, it's tremendous when you get out there and, and travel and meet and the encyclopedia of a knowledge that is, uh, uh, that, well, everybody has. But the people that have kind of, you know, experienced the failures, the setbacks, and what they've done to overcome that, my gosh, pick their brains. And uh, we've had several comments. Uh, uh, Bubba Alamo, he was a bodyguard. Uh, he, he's been on the show before. Wanted to pass on, have a blessed day. And then a uh, good friend of mine from back in Illinois, Josh Barber, you guys are kicking life's butt. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that, buddy. Booyah. And uh, for our new fans uh, that, that maybe don't know, what I consider bullyproof is having that hope and self-confidence. Uh, to believe in yourself, to stand up to any bully you face, both real and in your mind, to live that kick in life. And kick in life is getting back up one more time, to fight one more round, to live the life that God has intended for you to live with that God-given talent. And that's a kick in life. You're essentially kicking life's butt instead of letting it kick your butt. Now, it's going to, but you're going to get back up and kick back. And, you know, obviously, Master Flame has talked about all the things that he has done in his short uh, I don't think you're 50 yet, are you 47? No, sir. I'll be 48 this year. 48 this year. And uh, goodness gracious. Uh, and, and, and like I said, I, until I was 42, I didn't know I could read because I chose not to. So in a short amount of time, I've amassed quite a library collection, not bragging on myself, but I'm saying, look, this guy, you know, the, the quote, quote, as I was called a lot as a kid, the dumb farm boy, you know, it, it, it continue to grow and learn. 
And But my new attitude is not a big F you to the world like it was for many, many years. It's, hey, what can I do to use the knowledge that I've gained, the experience that I've gained from the guests like Mr. Jason Flame and many others that have met over the years to empower somebody else who maybe thinks the same way that I used to think or had those limiting beliefs or had that bully within telling you that that's all you're ever going to be. No, you got to be willing to fight. Like I said, David prayed a lot, King David, but he eventually had to pick up the stone and go to work and fight in Goliath. And that's the message we talked about not only today, but on every one of the shows. You got to make, the, if you want to change, you got to be the one to do it. You can either be, have the victim mindset, why is this happening to me? Or have the victor, the hero mindset, why are they picking me? Is, is it because, oh my gosh. So it's both the same question. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why are they picking me? Why are they picking on me? Well, why are they picking on me? We'll never know. But what are you going to do about it? Why are they picking me? It's because you worked your butt off to earn it. Preparation met with opportunity. That, if you would like to say luck, that is luck. Great stuff. Good stuff, man. Holy smoke Well, golly, buddy. Thank you so much for, for the time, the knowledge, the wisdom. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And uh, we're going to have to do this again. And uh, obviously, I've got your number. You got my number. And yes, uh, reach out anytime. Uh, for, for anything, please just even share. I know we connect a lot on social media as well, uh, uh, sharing each other's powerful, empowering messages to, to empower others. So folks out there listening, follow Master Flame, check him out there. On He mentioned he gave the, the hashtags, or, or the Instagram handles, and his YouTube channel, Facebook page. And of course, if you're in the area, the uh, Moore Park, California, keep saying because I said Moon Park earlier, if you're just tuning in, <laughs> uh, ch- check him out there. And please, if you, you want to empower your kids, one of the best things to do is get them enrolled in a quality martial arts program uh, because the life skills, the character development, the leadership, it's there, all wrapped up in one. And they learn how to protect themselves, too. I mean, that's, that's a key component. But uh, the other things, character development, life skills, and leadership, I think are just so essential, especially today. Totally agree. Any last uh, closing words? No, I, you know, the, the last thing I want to finish with, and I mentioned this quote before is um, if, if you're still thinking, you know, what's in it for me, try to change that mindset into what can I do for you? How can I serve? I think that'll change your life. Yeah. What's uh, everybody's favorite radio station is with them. W I I F M. What's in it for me. <laughs> Turn the dial there as, as, as master flame just said. That's right. all right, folks. I love you. Jason loves you. God loves you. Please love yourself enough to share that love with the world. And until we talk again, you get out there and do your best. And I promise you'll be your very best. You'll become bullyproof and you'll live your best kick in life. God bless you. God bless your loved ones. Can't wait to read your comments. Can't wait to chat with you again real soon. Have a blessed day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to another life change and episode of Grogan's Bullyproof and Kick in Life. This is your Bullyproof expert, Master Rich Grogan, reminding you to please subscribe and please share this podcast with your kids, family members, or anyone else who could benefit from this empowering message. And if you think we earned it, I kindly ask that you please remember that five-star review to let others know that you're part of the Grogan's Bullyproof and Kickin' Life tribe. And until we talk again, you get out there and do your best, and I promise you'll become your very best to become Bullyproof and you'll live your best kickin' life.